0: Hey, family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. chapter I'll begin reading at verse number one when you have it say amen hear the word Lord says as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives he sent two of his disciples and said to them go into the village opposite you and immediately as you enter it you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat untie it and bring it here Verse 3, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found the colt tied at the door outside the street and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing? Untying the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them and they gave them permission They brought the colt to Jesus and they put their coats on it and he sat on it and many spread their coats in the road and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields and those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, I'm taking my victory lap. (coughs) Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus name. Amen. I'm taking my victory lap. Christianity, beloved, is a most interesting practice of faith. It is interesting because so often in order for us to be obedient and productive Christians, God calls us to do things that don't really make sense. He calls us to do things that in our present situation don't line up with what our present situation says. He'll ask us to do things like give more when you can't afford it. He'll ask you to stay at home when you feel like going out. And my favorite thing is God will call us to praise him in the present when our present situation does not seem praiseworthy. God wants us to thank him now when I'm in the midst of something that doesn't seem like I should be thanking him for. If I'm going to be a productive and a mature Christian, I've got to learn how to praise God for victory I can't see in the middle of a problem that I can see. And if you're not too mean, if you can be honest, in church today, some of us could tell the truth and say that we're trying our best to make, or we're trying to make the best, rather, of a bad situation. We're trying to make it look better on the outside than it really feels on the inside. But if you would tell the truth, it's hard for you to thank God now because it does not look like there is anything for you to thank God for. When we look at the political condition of our country, we thought that Joe was going to come and fix everything. But Joe's been in office now for a little while, and it doesn't seem like things are much better than they were a little while ago, especially for people of color. Our country is less safe now. People are walking into grocery stores and killing people. They're going into massage parlors and taking senseless life. It seems as if the more we prayed for things to get better, when God got one devil out of the office and put a seemingly good man into the office, there are still wicked people around the country because you cannot legislate and vote evil out of the human heart. People are wicked. Times are cruel and things don't seem like we should be thankful to God. But if you are a believer, you are still called to praise God in the present even if your present does not look praise worthy. You're called to give God glory in the midst of situations that don't make sense, that frustrate you, that keep you up at night and then when you finally go to sleep it's because you cried yourself to sleep and then you wake up and cry some more. You've got to praise God in the middle of those situations and the question then becomes beloved how does God expect me to praise him like it's fixed when he hasn't fixed it yet. Because I'm praising God, uh, believing that he's going to turn it around. But after a while of me working and going through and fighting through and pressing through situations, I get tired of praising him. Chelsea, I don't want to come to church anymore. I don't want to get up and give him glory. It doesn't matter if they push the time back. I want to lay in bed a little longer because I don't want to pull these covers off of me and have to face all the drama that's outside my front door. How do I praise God like it's fixed when he has not fixed it yet? This is the tension that we're called to live in as believers. This is what God calls us to walk through as His children, learning how to give Him praise in the present when giving him praise in the present doesn't make sense. And beloved, even though it might seem crazy for God to ask us to praise him in the middle of situations that are frustrating us, in the middle of situations that are taxing us, in the middle of situations that we don't like, even though it might seem nonsensical and even asinine for God to request that of us, the beauty of our lives is that if we belong to God, we don't have to wait to praise him for the victory. Because even though it It might look like we're losing in life. The truth is we belong to a victorious God. Okay. You missed your shouting point. I said it might look like you're losing, uh, but you belong to a victorious God. You don't get it yet. Uh, The worship team sang it for you. They asked you, where do you stand? Who is on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, then you're on the side of a Lord who has never lost a battle, a warrior that has never lost a fight. Someone who cannot be defeated and I can praise him in the present, even if my present looks like I'm losing, because I know I serve a victorious God. As a matter of fact, because of God's victory through Jesus Christ, beloved, we don't have to wait to celebrate, but we are able to offer what might seem like premature praise because we know that the battle is safe in God's hands. Because God's victory is secured, if I am in God, then my victory is guaranteed, okay? Uh, Let me help you. If God is always going to win, then it makes sense for me to choose the winning side. God help me. And since I'm on the winning side, it might look like I'm losing, but no matter how it looks, either way, it's still victory. God help me. I wish I wish you weren't too mean. Look at your neighbor. I know we're still a little corona crazy, but just look at somebody and say, I've got to win. Yeah, I know it doesn't seem like I'm going to win. I know it doesn't look like I'm coming out on top. I know it doesn't feel like it's going to be alright, but I've got to win. And the reason why I've got to win is because I am connected perpetually to a winning God. And whether you know it or not, beloved, this is the lesson of Palm Sunday. This is the principle that is being preached to us through this particular passage of scripture because when we come to Mark 11, the Bible lets us know that time is winding down on the earthly ministry of Jesus. He's getting ready to punch his ticket and take his flight back to his mansion in the sky. Uh, But before he does that, he decides to take a victory tour through Jerusalem. God, he me, This is what perplexes me about Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is where theologically, Brian, we celebrate the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, this is why Palm Sunday is important. It's, it's not because we like palm branches and it's not pre-Easter. We celebrate it uh, because it commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Why is that important, Bishop? It is important because God gives us then through the triumphal entry of Jesus, into Jerusalem a preview of the eschatological second coming of Jesus Christ. Christ comes then into Jerusalem on a donkey in peace. At the end he will come again into the new Jerusalem on a horse. God help me. God says I want you to see through Palm Sunday in the beginning what I'm about to do at the end and that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. It initiates the Passion Week. It initiates what we in theology call Holy Week but it's for us to remember that the king has come, And if he has come, he is coming again. Uh, But the thing about this is, it is not simply a march through Jerusalem, but it is literally, Brother Herman, a victory march. It is a victory lap. Uh, What do you mean, Bishop? Well, when Roman generals uh, would win battles, uh, they would come through the city mounted on a beast, and people would lay out palm branches and celebrate them for the victory. So essentially, Chris, Jesus is taking a victory lap on Palm Sunday for what's not going to happen until Easter. Let me stop and run it back. You missed it. Jesus is celebrating on Palm Sunday for what he's going to do on Easter Sunday. Jesus is celebrating a week in advance of victory that has not happened yet. But in doing so, Jesus teaches us that we don't have to wait until we see victory to celebrate victory. But we can shout now because we know that the battle is safe in his hands. Jesus comes into Jerusalem triumphantly to let the devil know I'm going to handle my business. And because I'm so sure that I'm going to handle my business, I'm going to allow the people to celebrate now. Uh, uh, They shout then. They shout, Hosanna. Yeah, Hosanna uh, can mean one of two things. It is most easily translated, save us now, I pray. Uh, Or it can be translated, we are saved now. And if you translate it, we are saved now, it lines up with the victory lap. That is shown to us in the text because they are celebrating salvation that ain't going to happen until seven days later. But they're celebrating Easter on Palm Sunday because they trust that the God that is going to save them is able to do exactly what he said. So then this teaches us because many of us try to withhold our praise based on our perception of God's actions in the present. If we don't feel like God is moving, then we don't want to offer him praise. If we don't feel like God is working, we don't want to offer him praise. If we don't feel like God is doing like we want, when we want it, we don't want to offer him praise. And we withhold our praise based on our perception of God's action in the present. But the text is tailored to teach us, beloved, that God doesn't expect us to respond to him based on our perception of his action, but he expects us to offer praise based on our recognition of his nature. And our belief in his promise. Bishop, what are you talking about? Our recognition of his nature. When you know who he is, you'll understand that he's always worthy of praise. And the text teaches us that because in verse 10, they say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord they understand that this man is not just any man but this man that is upon this donkey this man that is riding into Jerusalem is different than any other man that's ridden into Jerusalem before because he's not coming under his own authority but he is the one who comes under the authority with the endorsement of the Lord and when I understand who Jesus is I understand that he's always worthy of praise because he's always good he's always in control he's always worthy God help me, y'all don't feel it yet. But when you know Him, you can thank Him, even in the midst of hard situations. When you know Him, you can praise Him, even when you don't feel like giving Him glory. When you know who He is, you can tell Him, Your bread when I'm hungry, your water when I'm thirsty, your bridge over troubled water, your hope in the hopeless places. I can praise Him when I know who He is. But not only should I praise Him because of my recognition of His nature, but I should praise Him, beloved, because of my belief in His promise. Because they said, Blessed is He who comes comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. God help me. They said, I can praise him because I believe that even though I might not be safe right now, that he's going to save me. God help me. See, and some of us have traded being saved for being safe. God, help me. Oh, you'd rather be safe than saved. God, help me. Oh, you'd rather be out of harm's way than rescued from danger. God, help me. God says, look here, uh, I'm going to save you. Oh, God, and because I'm going to save you, you've got to do some things that might seem unsafe. Uh, what, like what, Jesus? Uh, like praising me for saving you while you're still under roman captivity like saying i'm the king even when there's an unjust king ruling over you like saying that i'm lord of all when it doesn't seem like while looking at your life i'm lord at all god says i want you to praise me because you believe i'm going to do what he said is there anybody here who can be honest and say bishop you're talking to me because the only reason i got up and came to church was because i got a promise from god my my situation doesn't look like he said it was going to look it doesn't matter it has not manifested yet The way I believe it's going to manifest. But I showed up. I put my church clothes on. Made it here on time. Because I believe that God's going to do just what he said. I I praise him. I can't stay that long. I've got to praise him based on my recognition of his nature. But then I've got to praise him based on my belief in his promise. Jesus then. Coming into Palestine. Parades on this pony on Palm Sunday. Taking this victory lap. There was something interesting then, uh, three things about the Lord's victory lap that I want to show you. Jesus takes this victory lap to show us uh, that you don't have to wait, like the old saint said, till the battle is over. Uh, But you can shout now, because you know in the end who's going to win. I got to to park that. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to leave that car running on the side of the street, though. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, Jesus wants us to understand you don't have to postpone your personal praise party, because victory... Is guaranteed. Victory belongs to him. And Jesus said, to show you that, I'm going to take this Palm Sunday victory lap. Now, there are three interesting things about this victory lap I want to show you. First of all, the Lord's victory lap used an unlikely participant. His, his victory lap used an unlikely participant. Jesus is not just a king. He is the king of kings. He is not just a lord. He is the lord of lords. And the lord of lords shouldn't ride anywhere on less than the best. But the bible says that when this king, when this lord, when the Kyrios Christos, the lord Christ gets ready to ride into Jerusalem, Sean he doesn't ask for a Bentley, doesn't go get a Maserati, doesn't go get an uh, Alfa Romeo, a uh, uh, Mercedes Benz. He says, "Going out to the shed and find me not even a stallion, not even a full-grown donkey." He says, "Find me the colt of a donkey, not just any donkey, but one that has never been used before." Yeah. God then in order to usher in the Christ, chooses somebody, not who didn't get picked this time, but somebody who has never been chosen to do anything before. Uh, And the reason why God chooses donkeys, God help me, is because he doesn't want the horse to get the big head. Because if I choose a glorious vehicle, then the vehicle might get the credit. If I choose somebody that's high and lifted up, they might try to take the credit for themselves. But the reason why I ride a donkey is because the donkey knows the only reason I'm here is because God picked me. The only reason I'm going to stay here is because God kept me here. And some of us uh, have horse mentalities when we really got donkey history. Yeah. Uh, you want to act like you the stuff now, but the truth is, you wouldn't have got this chance nowhere but the kingdom. God God wouldn't have favored you anywhere but where you are. God, The only reason why you can do what you're doing is because God has allowed you to do it. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm like that coat"? God, help me. God looked beyond my faults and met me at the point of my need. I, I was there and nobody was using me. No one thought I was useful, but the Lord called my name. Oh, but not only, Z, did the Lord call the donkey because it's no good for you to be called if you're still bound. So he commanded them to untie the donkey and bring him to me. God help me. See this is for people who want to serve God but you're stuck in something. God says oh no, when I call you I'm going to make sure that you're loose out of depression. That you're loose out of lust. That you're loose out of that thing that you're in. I'm going to make sure that you are set free so that you can serve me the way you need to serve me. They said loose him and bring him here. And there are going to be some people around who try to stop you. They're going to look at you and say, hey, don't you serve that man, Jesus? Don't you serve that one who touched Bartimaeus? Didn't you serve that mega church master who fed 5,000 men on the mountainside? Isn't that who you serve? Then why are you getting this donkey? Why are you taking this beast to serve him? And he said, don't give them any long explanation other than to say the Lord has need of it. God, help me. Oh, I've got to help you now. Because although that is in English, you have to understand the text was not written in English. It is written in a dialect of Greek called Koine Greek. And in the Koine Greek, he is saying specifically the Lord has a need for him. Uh, That I have a purpose for this beast God help me and some of you people are looking at you and wondering why God is allowing you to serve him when they know all the dirt in your past your present your near past the stuff you did last night what you did last summer they know what's in your history and they're wondering what are they doing in church serving God and all you got to say is the Lord has a need for me God help me and I want to encourage somebody with that you might feel like you're the least the lost the left out and the looked over but God told me to tell you he's got a need for you oh it might not be in the pulpit. It might not be in the praise team. It might not be on the drums or on the organ, but God has a need for you. He's calling you. He has a purpose for your life. Yeah. So he, his victory lap uses an unlikely participant. Uh, But not only does his victory lap use an unlikely participant, his victory lap, hear me, is an offering of peace. His victory lap is an offering of peace. Uh, John 3 verse 16 summarizes this. He says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Jesus comes as the peace offering from God to God on behalf of us. Hear me? Jesus comes as God's peace offering to himself, from himself for our sake. Because everybody knows it's okay for other folk to buy you a gift, but when you really want to get what you want, it's best to get your own money and do it yourself. Because no one knows how to get a gift for themselves like themselves. And so God says, in order to make sure you don't mess up the peace offering, I've got to prepare the peace offering myself and give it to me. And I can't even trust you to wrap it, so I'm going to find a virgin girl to wrap it in flesh for me. Uh, because I can't trust you to wrap it. I've got to do it all by myself. And I can't let her get pregnant by a man. It has to be a virgin. Because I don't want any other man to be able to take credit for what's happening on the inside of Mary. It's all me. God sends Jesus as a peace offering. From himself to himself on our behalf. Paul says it this way in Romans 5.1. He said, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Because of Jesus he is our peace offering on our behalf. So then, the culture of the Bible teaches us that whenever a peace offering was sent to prevent bloodshed, the gifts would not be attached to horses because horses are symbols of war. But the peace offering would always be born on the back of a donkey. God help me. Uh, if if the goal, hear me, Sherrod, Every preacher in the house, listen to me. I want you to see where I'm going. If the goal is to prevent bloodshed, then I don't send the gift on the back of a horse because a horse says I want that smoke. But peace requires that I send it on the back of a donkey so that the one that I'm sending it to knows that I don't want trouble, I want peace. So I told you that Jesus was God's peace offering from himself. To himself. And so he doesn't send it to himself on a horse. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Where is he riding into again? He's riding into Jerusalem, which is the city of God. So God sends a peace offering from himself to himself on the back of a donkey. I know y'all think I'm making that up, right? Genesis 33 and 8. Jacob is getting ready to fight or to confront Esau. And because he's getting ready to confront Esau, he does not want Esau to harm him. And so the Bible says that he takes his wealth and he loads it on the back of what? Not camels, not oxen, not horses, but donkeys. And he sends it to his brother to let his brother know, I don't want war. I want peace. Okay, that's not good enough for you. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 25, verses 25 and 26, Abigail, the wife of that fool Nabal, uh, to keep David From killing her husband for his foolishness. Sends peace offerings to David. Not on horses, not on camels, not on oxen, but on donkeys. And when David sees the donkeys, he says, as you have bought peace this day, you shall have peace for the rest of your life. Jacob sends a donkey to Esau. Abigail sends a donkey to David On behalf of her husband. And God sent a donkey to himself on behalf of us. To let us know that we are no longer at war with him. But we are at peace with him. And somebody ought to be able to thank God that you've got peace. God, help me. Oh, God, that you are no longer at war with God. But now God comes to fight on your behalf. Oh, God, that he resists the proud. But good God Almighty, he gives grace to the humble. That he does not allow you to see as your sins deserve. But he is at peace with you. Okay. I'm done. The victory lap. It is victory lap is special because it uses an unlikely participant. He does not call great folk, but he calls the least, the lost, the left out, the donkeys, the colts, the people who have never been used before, and he uses them to carry great things into great places. But not only that, his victory lap is a a pledge of peace. It is an offering of peace. It it means, look, uh, I was upset with you, uh, but while you were yet sinning, I sent Christ to die for the ungodly. That greater man- love has no man than this, than one who would lay down his life for their friend. I don't want to be in war with you and approve it. I sent a peace offering from myself to myself on the back of a donkey to let you know uh, that even though you can't meet the requirement to purchase peace, I'll do it for you. Yeah, I'll do it for you. But not only that, it was an unlikely participant. It was an offering of peace. But then thirdly, it is an invitation to proactive prayer. It is an invitation to proactive praise. This is what he says. Uh, He's coming into the city. Everybody in Israel understands what this means. Because there is a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 about the king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So everybody that's watching him knows what's happening. And they are looking at Jesus with anticipation, believing that this is the time that God is getting ready to do just what he said. And instead of waiting until it's completed. They start throwing palm branches out in the street. Throwing their coats over the branches. And they start praising him right then. For something that he's not going to do until week a week later. Hear me. The Pharisees have not conspired yet. Judas hasn't agreed to betray yet. Peter hasn't denied yet. They haven't found a venue for the last supper yet. Nothing has happened. I don't even believe, Sean, that they had cut down the wood for the cross from the tree. But in spite of that, they start praising him for what he's going to do next week. For what he's going to do, or today, for what he's going to do next week. They want to praise him now for what he's going to do. Next week. Uh, this bothers me. This is problematic for me. Because at least they mother could see Jesus. They could look at him. I can't even see him. Anybody that tells you they've seen him is a liar. The Bible says he is the God whom no man has seen or can see. Just in case you got a prophet or a bishop or an apostle that told you that God sat in their kitchen. Uh, the book says... He is that great and invisible God, which no man has seen or can see. I've never seen it. I don't know what he looks like. And you want me to praise him when I can't see for what I can, or for when I, for in the middle of what I can see for what I can't see. Um, I didn't really know how I was going to drive this point home. It it, it bothered me, Z, in a lot of ways because I felt like I had done my good work and I had put together an all right message. And I didn't want to embarrass myself when I had on my daddy's robe. Took it a while to get here, had to steam it. um, But I felt like it looked all right and I didn't want to embarrass myself, Elder Chambers, in my daddy's robe. And I didn't know how I was going to drive this point home. How can I give him something now (coughs) for what? I'm going to receive later. How can he expect me to offer up something to him over here? For what's not going to happen until I get down there. And while I was thinking through this thing, I was getting frustrated. I had my son and my daughter with me. And I'm trying to think through this thing, Chelsea, how I'm going to close this message and I'm getting frustrated because my children are saying to me, "See, daddy, we hungry. We ain't ate since breakfast." And I said, you know what? I think I'm hungry too. We've been up at this church since nine o'clock. It's 2:30. I think we need to get something to eat. And so I get them in the truck and we drive down Lim Turner and get on the highway. And David, I asked my kids a question. I'm still preaching, I promise. I asked my kids a question that I knew I shouldn't have asked because I already knew the answer. I said, What do y'all want to eat? And immediately my children say. Daddy, we want McDonald's. And I'm frustrated because, Brian, I'm still trying to figure out how God expects me as a Christian to give him something here for what I'm not going to get until I get down there. And I'm praying that he's going to help me understand this thing. Elder Chambers and in the midst of me trying to understand how God expects me to give him something on this side. For something that I'm not going to get until I get down there. My kids are getting on my nerves. They're like, Daddy, we want to go to McDonald's. I said, fine, fine, fine. We'll go to McDonald's. I go to McDonald's. uh, uh <laughs> I go to McDonald's, and they take my order. Tell me how much it's going to be. And I drive, and they got two windows. The first window tells me to pay here. But Chelsea, here's the problem. When I pay over here, I can't get no food at this window. I've got to trust that when I make a deposit of money over here, that I'm going to get a return of food over there. God help me. And my children understand it better than me. Because when I pay the money, And I get the receipt. My son said, Daddy, can I hold the receipt? And I give my son the receipt. And he looks at the receipt. And he starts to dance. We got McDonald's. We got McDonald's. I get some nuggets. Me ain't got no nuggets. I got ice cream. And they're celebrating with no food at this window. Because they understand from McDonald's. Something that the Lord is trying to teach you in your life. That when their brand is on the line, they're going to make sure they deliver where they're supposed to deliver. The reason why you can trust McDonald's to give you your food at the next window is because they know that if they don't, it'll ruin their name. And the reason why you can trust God to come through, God help me, is because you know that if God does not come through, he'll ruin his good name. Yeah. And that's, that's what God wants. I feel like preaching now. I wish I had some folk that would talk back to me. He, he, he says you can give him glory right here. Because the window is down there. God help me. And some of us need to learn how to give God praise on this side. Because he's going to do it. Give me a second. He's going to do it over there. God help me. Yes, and the old saints would say, Don't wait till the battle is over, but uh, you can shout right now Uh, because uh, you know in the end uh, who's gone, who's going to win. Uh, And I don't know if there's anybody in the building on on an old school throwback Sunday. can say I've been through enough with God to where I've learned how to lean and depend on him. I've had to give him praise in the present for a fixed marriage when my marriage was still on the rocks. I've had to praise him for fixing my finances when I checked my bank account balance and there was no money in the bank. I've had to praise him for victory on this side when I'm feeling defeated in every area of my life. But here's the revelation. You can give God. You can give him praise now because your victory does not depend on you. It depends on him. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But is there anybody here who can testify that I'm a winner? Not because I have skills, but because I'm on the winning side. I'm ready now, Doc. Let's have church. I've got to close here now, but look at somebody and say, we're going to win because we're on uh, the winning side. I've got to get out of here now, dear children. Thank you for letting me say my priest's speech. But uh, before I go uh, back to my house in Oakleaf, uh, I want you to understand uh, you're going to win, uh, not because you're powerful, uh, but because you serve a great God. Uh, I'm a sports fan, uh, so I'm reminded of a player. Uh, Named Luke Walton. Mm -hmm. Luke Walton is the son of an NBA Hall of Famer named Bill Walton. But Luke Walton will probably never go into the Hall of Fame because he wasn't a great player. But the reason why Luke Walton is remembered is because even though he wasn't a great player, he's got more rings than Dikembe Mutombo. He's got more rings. Than Dominique Wilkins. He's got more rings than Charles Barkley. He's got more rings than Ray Allen. He's got more rings than Gary Payton. And the reason why he's got more rings is not because he was ever on the court when the game was won, but the reason why he's got those rings is because he was on the right team look at somebody and say neighbor I'm gonna win because I'm on the winning side I'm gonna get come on Chris the victory because I am on the winning side and is there anybody here can testify I'm just like Luke Walton I'm a winner not because I'm great but because when I am weak he is strong. Is there anybody here that can say I'm going to give him glory and I'm not going to wait until it's all said and done but I'm going to give him praise right now look at somebody come on let's have church and say neighbor don't wait until the battle is over but shout now because you know in the end who's gonna win don't wait until the battle is over but give him glory now because you serve a God who's fighting for you. Don't wait until you see victory, but praise him now because you know he's gonna do it. And is there anybody in the building today who can testify and say, I've got some things that I'm waiting on God to turn around in my life. I got some things I'm waiting on God to fix for me. But I don't have to wait until he turns them around. But I can shout because he's able. He's able. Yes, he is. He's able. I said he's able. I said, the Lord is able. I said, He's able. He's able. He's able. I wish I had a voice today. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm going to praise Him? Take your victory lap because He's already, already won the victory. In your life, I have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it in it into the hearts, the hearts of men. Oh, all the things that the Lord has in store for them that love him, But is there anybody here who can say I got a sneak peek in the Holy Ghost and I'm gonna give him, and I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him glory, 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 thank you Jesus. I know it's not Easter, but is there anybody here that's glad to be saved? I'm saved, I'm saved by his power divine. I'm saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet. And my joy, my joy, my joy, my joy, my joy. It is complete, cause I'm sad, I'm sad.